Good morning. I'm Craig Underhill, uh, 3512 Sandy Brook here in Napa. So I get to to back clean up today with our group, and <laughs> and so patience with me as we work through this. So I'm going to take it from a different approach in the sense of I'm I'm a CPA and I see all these numbers, and so I'm going to give you some insight and education of really the, the economics around a family winery and what that what that looks like. And so, first and foremost is to make it go. Is it, which arrow? Is it, that top one? Yeah. Oh, that's the red. Okay, how about that one? There we go. <laughs> the most complicated part of any presentation is this thing right here. So, um, I've been in Napa uh, since 1995 and have been deep in the wine industry with uh, BD Co. And as the managing partner there, we oversee and work with over 100 wineries here in the valley, uh, all different sizes. And, but we really get to see and get some insight into what's going on with, with the smaller wineries. And I'm going to walk you through that and what's going on. So we keep hearing this over uh, from Richard's standpoint and, and Rob's presentations, all going back to the, what's going on with, with this direct-to-consumer piece. And so I'm not going to uh, beat you over the head with it other than to really gain an understanding of what we have here in the Valley in the sense of we're made up of a lot of small wineries. Yeah, we have over 500 and some odd wineries here, but you know, 80% of those are under 10,000 cases. And um, with that, it makes it uh, a challenge, to say the least, to, to make money. And I'm glad one of Rob's slides showed, you know, what that profitability is, because there is that kind of that mis mystery that, you know, there's all this, all this money to be made. But it, it's actually a really challenging business to be in. And so uh, one of the things that we look at, you know, is that these wineries that are under 10,000 cases, they, they really require about half of their sales to come from direct to consumer and, and you know we hear about a lot ag the word sustainability can we talk about that from the land use and everything around that well believe it or not that same principle holds true in any business you have to have a sustainable business model in order for that business to survive and when you're selling less than 10,000 cases of wine if you don't have more than 50 percent of your sales coming from direct to consumer sustainability is is very very difficult um, because you just won't have uh, the money there to pay for it so um, from a trend standpoint excuse me what this slide is showing here I went back and pulled three major expense categories inside the winery uh, the purple is, is the grapes uh, yellow sales and marketing and the third the blue being administration so I went back 10 years and said okay what's going on as as these are all compared together uh, versus today and it's really interesting when, when you go, go back and look at this in that our grape costs over the last 10 years have risen 1.8 times faster than inflation in that same period of time, all right? And so we say, okay, cost of farming's going up, cost of labor's going up, uh, and then we look at sales and marketing. So that's the cost that, that the winery has to spend to actually put people out in front of consumers to sell their wine. So if we're out on the road doing distributor sales in the marketplace at all those different states, or we're here locally inside our tasting room, well, those costs have grown twice as fast as inflation. 
So once again, think about business model. And it, you know, it, it doesn't take rocket science to start to understand that with costs accelerating far faster than inflation, and during this time, you you got to realize prices on wine have not increased that substantially. That it begins to put a lot of pressure on that profitability. And profitability, folks, is not a bad thing. Okay, profitability is necessary in order for a business to sustain itself. And we're going to go into a little bit of what these expenses are. And the last one, which really shocked me, was administrative costs. Okay? Administrative costs have nothing to do with selling that wine, have nothing to do with making that wine. Those are all the costs associated in running that business that are outside of making the wine and selling the wine. Those costs have gone ten times faster than inflation over this ten-year period. And a portion of those costs have to do with increased regulations that have been piled upon these small wineries. If you were to walk into a winery in 2005 and look at the, the amount of accounting work and things that had to be done, um, it, it was, a, it was a, an amount, but it wasn't, it wasn't overbearing. You go in there today and there is, with this interstate commerce that's occurring through direct-to-consumer, 50 states, 47, 48 in the, in the game right now, all those requiring their own set of paperwork every month. And so it's like having the IRS on parade every month inside your winery. It's crazy the amount. So that takes more people, right? More people to, to generate paperwork. It, it's it's uh, really interesting. So what does it take? You know, So I'm going to put you in the chair of a winery owner right now. Here's four critical decisions that any winery owner has to make when they get into business. And the first and foremost is, what is my grape source? Am I going to purchase these grapes, or I'm going to grow them, or am I going to do some sort of combination of the both? Well, if we go out and purchase our grapes, that allows us to reduce our risk. And what is the biggest risk in agriculture? It's the thing called weather, right? It, it, it plays with us. Mother Nature plays with us all the time. And so to help reduce that unpredictability, we'll put that risk on a grape grower and will buy our grapes from that that grower directly that obviously increases the cost cost because that grower has to has to make a profit there so alternatively we say okay we're all in we're gonna we've got this land here we're gonna grow our own grapes huge capital investment what I mean by that a lot of dollars spent to take that raw dirt and and put in all all the infrastructure necessary to build a vineyard and and go through that second question they have to do is do I have a facility or do I custom crush once again facility gives us control that means we've got our own winery our own place of business that we can we can make the wine or do we shift that risk and you're going to see me use that word many times in my presentation is what amount of risk are we willing to take and if not then we move it to another facility someone else in the business of what they call custom crush where they go and make the wine for us, once again, is going to cost us more for that. So we have to uh, do that trade-off. The third one I love, one of my favorite ones, number of SKUs, otherwise known as number of products. And believe it or not, those number of products are controlled by the artist, the creative person inside that winery called the winemaker. Very interesting because they love spending money um, because they got the next best wine, right? They figured it out. Well, if we use this grape and do this blend, 
and then oh maybe we should do that not just in a standard 750 milliliter bottle we, this has been a real special wine so we're going to shrink that bottle and make it half that size 375 and it, they go oh it's cute right it's cute the accountant over here is going but it costs a lot of money to do that what are you thinking and so all of these decisions being made add up to the these costs dumping into inventory which is something that we have to move we have to sell so then that brings us to our last point from a decision standpoint it is direct to dis- direct to consumer or distributor or some combination of, of the both and literally watching what has happened over the past 10 years it's just been amazing to watch as the distributors pulled back and that consolidation occurred what that did to the small family winery all the money that they're going out into the marketplace traveling to the different states to work with those sales reps okay it isn't like they just take the order and and go to it they have to go work those markets and that takes a lot of time it takes a lot of money and in 10 years ago with the distributors at least you got attention at least it created sales and it created a pull through today they're doing most of the work for the distributor and they're not getting a whole lot of pull through because uh, to Richard's point they're not getting the attention because with 60% of the sales going through those 10 wineries it's tough to even get on somebody's radar so that brings us to the other part oh money yeah we spend a lot of it in this industry and so here are three different areas that that we get in involved with you know first and foremost are the barrels because that's a an annual expense that we have out there and you know we just came off uh, three very large vintages in 2012 13 and 14 which required uh, expansion of space not only for tank space but barrel space and with most wineries uh, purchasing french oak barrels you know running in the neighborhood of a thousand dollars a piece this became a huge outlay of cash so once again we need profit inside that company in order to be able to have the the cash available to purchase these barrels and so then it, it, it flips over to this other part now we have our own winery and we've got our winery equipment what does winery equipment look like all 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 those other pieces of uh, that are necessary to make the wine so gone inside a winery we get to see well, they've got the bottling line and they've got the crush equipment on the crush pad well this is a very very tough industry to be in and what I mean by that is if you were to go into any uh, manufacturing industry around the Bay Area around the United States you would walk in on that factory floor and you would see that equipment working all day long we shut it down for maybe a lunch break but it works all day long not the wine industry crush we work for about two and a half months that equipment gets used for some fairly <laughs> long hours but that's it that bottling line that they have that can run anywhere from two to three hundred thousand dollars that thing gets used about three weeks a year and I was thinking about that three weeks a year can you imagine you've got your own business and you go I'm gonna hire an employee and I'm gonna pay them a salary for the entire year but I only expect them to work about three weeks out of the year that's a bottling line I mean it's a little crazy but it what it is it's a it's a huge investment that has to happen and then the last one is vineyard planting we have this finite area inside Napa County but in that with it being planted there's continual replanting happening and you're seeing it now drive up and down the trail uh, up and down highway 29 you'll see vineyards that have been removed disease is always on on the on a pressure point for the vineyards and so it's back and so 
that that investment that's going into those vineyards on replants range from anywhere from thirty thousand to sixty thousand dollars an acre and so those costs running when you pull a vineyard it isn't just that thirty to sixty thousand dollars an acre that's happening we just took that vineyard out of production for at least three years before it will have a, a marketable crop and really it takes about five years before we get back to what was normal production level so once again go back inside your own business Take all, all your, all your uh, goods that are available for sale off the shelf for five years and sit around and wait. I mean, it's, it's a tough thing to do. And so once again, we have to have the ability to generate the cash to do this. So that brings me to the, this delicate balancing act. And so you're about to get accounting 101 through my tree, all right? And this, this tree is very important to understand because accounting can get very convoluted and very strange stuff. Um, but what I want you to think of, and this goes for any business, and is let's look at this tree as a business. And at the top of that tree, we see that fruit. That fruit represents our sales in a business. So what happens when we pick the fruit, okay? We're selling, selling that fruit, if you will, and then the fruit's gone. Those are our sales for the year. The trunk of the tree, that's what we call what happens in accounting world, the, the balance sheet. That's where everything we own exists. We like to call those assets. And also everybody we owe, those are liabilities. So the money we borrowed from the banks to our vendors and such all sit inside that trunk of the tree. And then the roots of the tree provide the, the nourishment or the cash flow for our business. And that, that's where it becomes critical because without the cash flow, th this, this tree can become very, very weak. And so let's walk through what it looks like uh, when, we, when we produce wine and what's happening. So out here in year one, we start off with, with farming. And so we go through this and one way to one way to look at this is think think of um think of the seller okay i want to get you get a picture picture image of the seller your favorite seller you've ever been into all those nice looking barrels this the aromas all of that going on thinking about that now i want you to step outside that seller and look back at it and put a giant bank vault door on it because behind that vault door in your cellar lies all the cash. It's there, okay? And it starts right after harvest in November because that kicks off the next round of costs that we're going to put into the vineyard until we harvest into the following fall. And so all of those costs are going to be put into the ground, which then comes in through harvest via the grapes, which inside the cellar. There goes a bunch of cash inside that cellar. We're going to process those grapes. We're going to crush them. We're going to turn them into wine. Put them in those nice, expensive barrels. Cash inside the cellar behind our our, our uh, vault door. And depending on the type of wine, uh, it, it will sit there. And so it's going to be there, and let's say it's a white wine. In year two, we're going to pull that wine out of the cellar and put it into a bottle and make it available for sale. If everything goes right everything goes right this is a, not a perfect world okay that wine will sell out within the next 12 months until just on time for our next release happy days all right but if we have a red wine 
At the earliest, it's not going to be until year three. All the time it takes to make this wine, because remember that wine, just because it's sitting in the barrel, it it has other things that are going on process-wise. It's being handled and touched, and the cellar workers are being paid. Those costs, that cash continues to go behind that vault door, waiting. And then we finally do the same thing, package that, that wine up, that, that red wine, and release that. And depending on the type of program that we have, that may be year three or year four before that is done. So it takes another year after that. So here we go. We've got, if we're a pretty heavy red wine producer in the Napa Valley, we're about four years into cash inside that bank vault. And so there it sits. But unlike our own bank account, we just can't go in and pull it out and say, bingo, cash it in. We have to, when we pull that wine out, we have to have somebody to sell it to, all right, which is what this is all about. So dollars in red are not a good thing. I'll just tell you that right now, especially when we put little parentheses around it because that means it's going the wrong direction, and that's what's happening in the first years, and then it starts to turn back around. Well, uh, imagine the complexities. I just gave you, we just started from day one, but we're doing this five years, ten years from now uh, in our business. We've got multiple vintages running all the time. Why am I telling you this? This is a very complex uh, industry that exists here in the Napa Valley. The wine industry is one of the most complicated business models ever to exist, and frankly, I don't know why anybody does it. And I'm serious, because this there are a lot easier ways to make money than being in the wine business. And why does it make, why is it so complicated? It's because it's the last vertically integrated business structure that exists. And what I mean by that, I like to call it, it's from dirt to the dinner table. They grow their grapes, okay? They create their own raw materials. And think about that. Think about the goods and services you purchase every day. You go to go over to Target and you buy something off the shelf that you need at home. Target didn't go and produce that box of cereal. They bought it from somebody else who actually manufactured that cereal at their plant, who actually bought the raw materials from some grower in the Midwest, okay? No, we do it all inside the wine industry. We produce the grapes, the raw materials, we bring it into the cellar, we manufacture it, and oh, we just don't turn it over every day like anybody else would in manufacturing. We're gonna hold on to this precious gift that we've created for, for our consumer for three or four years a lot of cash being tied up into that. And then we've got to figure out and manage the ebb and flow of what our crystal ball says is going to happen in, in this industry and what's going to happen into our economy and say, well, great. We had, I remember in 2012 when that harvest came in, everybody's jumping up and down. You know, they're all excited because 2011 was such a short uh, harvest. They're saying, oh, good, we've got wine again. And no way would we replicate that. And then in 2013, we replicated it again. And we go, oh boy, we're all excited because, you know, these are the best wines ever. But then when it did it again in 2014, we said, oh boy, we got a problem. Because now our sellers are filling up with a lot more inventory than we have consumers available to sell. So um, I hope that Rob's predictions are correct that, that uh, we'll continue to see this growth. But there is a natural progression in, in the wine industry, and that is it runs on about a seven-year cycle. And what I mean by that is about every seven years, the, the wine business has its own recession. doesn't matter what's happening in the marketplace uh, around America, around the world. It just happens. 
And so we are getting close to that again. And so when you have these uh, large amounts of buildup of wine, we want to make sure that we have a home for them. And, and the home can, we like to say those children need to leave our nest sometime and go out on their own and they need to live with somebody else and, and not, not with us. Um, let me do that. Talk you through. Last point I want to leave on is a, a, a research study that was done by St uh, Stonebridge uh, Research. I found very interesting of thinking about the, the impact on, on the local economy. And the idea that the uh, wine production annual e economic impact is a little over $13 billion. And the second point I, th I think is uh, uh, noteworthy, even if we don't understand what all those numbers mean, is the idea that 46,000 jobs are created uh, directly and indirectly uh, because of this industry here. And wine tourism, you know, generating a billion dollars annually for our community. And, and the industry itself, uh, $1.3 billion in local, state, and federal taxes generated out, out of the, the wine business. So it, it is a huge contributor to, to our, our local economy. And, and it's, it's what makes the, this local engine move. And, and last but not least it is the, the generosity of, of Napa Vintners themselves. You know, you get, the, excuse me, you get the headlines in June with the wine auction, but there's a lot that goes on that isn't in the headlines. It's, it's what sits in the background. As, as a local uh, accountant, I get to see those numbers, and, and this doesn't surprise me, the, the amount of money that is, is given by Vintners on their own to local charities that they help with their with their uh, quest to to improve the community and the and the lives uh, here for those that li live in the valley. It, it's just tremendous. So, uh, you know, to, to sum it up, what what I see is a, a challenge for our local uh, small family wineries, and, and the challenge is is to stay competitive, and to do that, you've got to control costs. And you've got to find a, a place that you can market your wine. And um, unless something were to change in, in the wholesale world and, it, it, and that funnel that Rich put up, that was, it, w it is the, the best slide uh, out there, unless that turns over and the distributors open back up and the small distributors out there to help our, our local uh, wineries, um, I find it very difficult for them to compete and to be able to st stay in business uh, without that direct consumer market uh, to be able to drive their sales. So I, I thank you for your time.